Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 62. Wow, this month has also just gotten so crazy. I, um... I felt like March and April were like, like maybe May was going to be better, but May has been so hard. And I, I want to specifically just um, give a shout out to everybody who's on the ground um, working for Black Lives Matter. Um, it's really important. And I'm, I'm sorry that we're having to do any of it, um, but I'm with you and uh, I want to make it clear that um that I and, you know, the Artifice podcast are, are in support of Black Lives Matter and are in support of, um, my, our, our black brothers and sisters, um, across the board, of course, always, always. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to do everything I can to make sure that I'm, um, featuring black voices here and, um, and, and, uh, having those kinds of conversations here, um, Anyway, I don't have anything like special to say other than I'm with you and I'm supporting you and um and I'm sorry. It's it's just a lot. It's it's a whole lot. Um hopefully this podcast can be like a nice little escape to anyone who's listening and something positive and something kind of lovely um that you can consume. Uh, if and when you have a moment. And I really am excited about today's episode. Um, today's episode is with a, a good friend of mine, kind of kind of an older friend compared to, um, you know, a lot of the people I interview. I'm just meeting them for the first time in our interview. Um, and today's episode is with Eric E.J. E. Michaels, um, who's just an amazing singer and songwriter and band leader here in Utah and a really beautiful soul. Um, and, uh, and he has great messages to share. Um, so I'm going to read you Eric's bio now. Sincere honesty and rooted introspection is what drives E.J. Michaels to write from the heart. Playing piano since he was seven and later catching an interest in singing and songwriting during high school, music has always been his outlet to express difficult emotions. Having experienced a closeted life until his 20s, divorce, and coming from a separated home, E.J.'s intent is to channel negativity into something more cathartic. EJ is also a member of the Utah Native Collective Foreign Figures. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Um, I want to just give like a tiny little reminder that for the month of June, I'm not doing um, any, I, I'm kind of deleting my my normal um, ad segment where I promote um, an eco-friendly and, and or art-friendly product and business. And instead, I'm just going to play like a little snip of one of the songs from my new album, Masks. So um, last week, I played a little snip of my song, Rose Gold. And today, I'm going to play a snip of the song graceful and mysterious um i hope you guys like it and yeah again i'm just sending my sending my heart out and sending my voice out um if you are a person who's listening who is white um and you feel like you struggle um in pretty much all of the episodes where i'm interviewing um a person of color, we, we talk about race, um, and how it's, uh, intersected with, um, my guest's live life, um, as an artist and, and just as a, as a person, um, living here in America and, 
and um, for a couple of my guests also living outside of America. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are plenty of better places to look, but if you're already here, um, scroll through. I went last week and, and changed the, um, the episode photos for each episode to a picture of the guest. Um, so you can scroll through and look for, look for my guests that are people of color. Um, you know, if you're already here and, and, uh, and wanting to kind of dig deeper in this way, um, catch up on those episodes, you can maybe learn some lessons. And then, you know, the best advice I can give is just listen, uh, listen to people of color, um, read, watch, um, you know, don't just find one source, listen to a lot. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I have anything else to say, but, but it's, this is important stuff and, and we all, need to and and must do better. Um, so, uh, without further ado, here comes Graceful and Mysterious, as well as my beautiful interview with the lovely EJ Michaels. Enjoy. I'm gravity, an anomaly, and you see me, you're grasping at this new reality. You see me, I'm mercury, I'm energy, and you see me, you're choking on your own mortality. You bring me, your atrophy, hyperbole, and you leave me. of my memory You see me running with the galaxy behind You see me watching you with lightning in my eyes You can't stop running I am moving through your dreams You won't see me coming I am in the air you breathe You find me Art feels like magic, pure, visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections. But we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. That's really true. Um, okay, so for this podcast, I'm really like, I'm mostly interested in talking with people about like the origins of their creativity. Um, and then I also want to kind of just like have a, like a little window into like what your life is like as a professional artist. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I like to talk about is kind of like identity stuff and like what art means to you and those kinds of things. Mm, so, um, I love that. 
it's the best. It's just like, it's just nice. And I feel like most of the time when people interview artists, they want to like, just talk about the work you're making. And I almost just like, don't care about it. I want to know like what's going on with like the artist. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I care about it, but let's, I feel like it's not the main focus. The, the inside is usually the, the behind the scoop is more interesting for sure. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I like to start at the beginning and always ask people like what you were like as a creative child, like what stuff were you working on? What evidence was there that you were creative when you were a little kid? Ah, uh, let's think. I, I was a big, like my dad always told me this. I, I love to express myself. Yeah. I just love it. Um, whether if it was writing in my journal, if I was happy about something, if I was sad or making lists. Like, yeah, I love during, lists like, in, too. Like in church, <laughs> like I'd like make a list of this is what I want to do today after church is over, and I would even. Oh my gosh, we're the same. I would even like <laughs> write, like draw out how I want to change my room around. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I want the bed to go here and I want to put a poster here. And um, I just love the idea of creating my own space, like creating yeah. um, things that are of myself that my more, my more true self can come through and I find so much yeah. release in that. And you felt that even like as a little, little kid, like, yeah, even yeah. as a little kid expressing myself yeah. from an early age. So what kind of stuff like were you actually doing when you were like, you know, under the age of like eight, like what kinds of, you were writing, you said like you'd write in your journal. Did you write like poems and stories too as a little kid? Um, no. Definitely not. Definitely not no, words until yeah. later. Yeah, words until later. Um, I did play piano Okay. when I was seven. Yeah. Were you taking from Lori? Yes. Okay. That's Eric, when I started. Eric took, I, I wasn't sure, I, I couldn't remember, it, but Eric took piano lessons from my mother-in-law. <laughs> she is amazing. She is. I, I remember going there and just listening to the Suzuki classical tapes like all day long and just loving it yeah. and just loving the idea of like, Oh, I want to pass off this book. Yeah. Now I get in and move on to level two and it's like, I'm leveling up like in a video game. Totally. Um, okay. So with piano in particular, was that like a, all of the Michaels kids play piano or no. So did you, just me? yeah. Mainly. How did you, um, how did you, do you know how you sort of like asked your parents if you could play piano or like, how did, how did you get started taking lessons? You know, my parents always encouraged me to try so many things. Yeah. They were very, very, I, I was very lucky and blessed to have parents that were supportive and they literally had me try gymnastics, like tennis. Oh, uh, they just lessons. like let you try like, a bunch of stuff. Cool. Yeah. They just let me try things and like see what I liked and what sticked and what didn't. And there were certain things like in high school where wrestling was our thing. And even though it was hard and... I didn't enjoy it as much as other things. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that my dad would be like, let's stick through this. That's so and important. And I enjoyed it more than other sports. Like, yeah. I definitely enjoyed it just for a sense of your independence. Yeah. You know, having to use physical strength. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just yeah. stealth and all these other things and balance and control and relying upon yourself. And yet, like, you have a team cheering you on. Yeah. But I'm glad that you know, my, my, my parents wouldn't let me quit something yeah. when it became hard. I think that's really important. Like it's such a fine line, but I, I totally agree. Like, 
I mean, I teach kids and I see it so often, like, you know, uh, I will try to push the child a little bit and it's not like in an, it never in a negative way, but just like, like out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm trying to get them to do songwriting or like, you know, I want you to write some lyrics. And like, as soon as it's like a little bit, a little bit, like they feel like it's a tiny bit hard. The parents will just let them quit. Um, and then I just think like now they've left this like in a low and like they're never going to come back to it you know it's yeah. like devastating where like right? if you just let me stick with them for another like 2 months then they would have written a song and then they would feel amazing you know yeah but so one of the things that i like to ask about and like it sounds like your parents were were encouraging you to think this way but art requires this patience like we know it it requires you to like go in these like you know peaks and valleys and like a lot of a lot of valleys. Um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> the bane of our existence yeah. oh is also like being a creative is like, there's a fire, a fiery edge to it as well. <laughs> it's yes. And it's, I was just talking about it as someone else, but like, it's mostly, it's mostly low. It's like lows punctuated by highs. But this is my point. I think those of us that are compelled to create, we, we love it so much that we, we have the ability to kind of like run on those fumes. And I don't mean like exhaustion fumes. I just mean like a little bit of success, you know, and that word can be so like, you know, just creating something can like fuel you for such a long time. And I'm always curious, like whether people think that that's a skill that you can learn or if that's like something that's just like in your makeup. Like, do you have a thought about that? Yeah. I think someone can learn to create, but I feel like that natural, authentic passion is within a natural, passionate creator. Yeah. And I don't know. I've I've had some voice students in the past who come and go, and I've had some that have stayed for years. And I think the difference between the two is their passion. Yeah, it's like something it has it doesn't have actually anything to do with like the actual creative skill. Yeah, like Almost, the, it has nothing it's yeah. literally I think it has less to do with the actual skill and more with that person's yeah. drive and passion. That's why I like that's why I think I'm kind of obsessed with this question because I think I think the public um tends to think like oh, well, singing can't be taught or painting can't be taught or you know whatever the medium because I interview all kinds of artists um so the conversation is like just more about creativity than like any particular medium. And all the artists that I talk to like more or less agree that like those things can be taught. Like those are the things you can teach. What you can't, what, what maybe you can't teach is that patience, like just the willingness to like sit and suck at something for like three years <laughs> yeah. um, because you like love it, you know? Um, it's the morning I have got like, I just, I just ate like a, like a protein bar and I feel yeah. like I'm have phlegm. So <laughs> yeah. sorry. No, it's all um, good. it's 11 AM anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm always really interested with p- those of us who have managed to stay creative into adulthood, what it is, like, what are the things? Because I think, like you said, everyone can be creative. Yeah. Um, and certainly like all children can be creative but what are the things about those of us that like get stuck on it? Yeah. 
I've thought about that because as a kid, I actually never thought I would be a musician. Yeah. Um, I always thought, I want to be a dentist. I want to be a doctor. There was something about helping people that mm-hmm. I was always drawn to and doing something that was like, oh, I'll make money from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as a young kid, Some which of is that crazy. Is super cultural, too. Oh, like, yeah. It's such like a Mormon thing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there was something, I don't know, where. Just in my experience, I was never the type of person that was naturally amazing at things. Yeah, me neither. I never had like, I always had to work hard to become good at what I did. I remember the first time I sang to myself, like kind of coming out of the closet as a singer. Yeah. was in seventh grade. My friend and I were like singing Fall Out Boy. And I'm like, okay, you sing it. You try it. (laughs) And he's just like, where's your... You do it. Where is your boy tonight? And yeah. I recorded myself. I don't have this. I wish I had it. Yeah. But it's like the first recording of me singing out loud. Yeah. And I was like, where is your boy tonight? Like just like obviously like have some sort of skill, but just so untamed. So just yeah. kind of raw, yeah. raw, just so untrained and so many things. And if I would have just kept it at that, that's where I would have been my entire yeah, life. Right. Where I've gotten to where I'm at now, I attribute much of that to passion. It's like that obsession. Yeah, just loving it, enjoying it. Because I feel like if you force yourself to do something you don't enjoy, you'll probably burn out and you'll Hashtag be miserable and you'll exercise. stop. Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> that's how people, I feel about going to the gym. Yeah, it's like <laughs> when someone has an amazing voice... Or, or if someone has an amazing body, um, it's usually because they enjoy yeah. the, that journey and that process yeah. of doing it. Doesn't mean that it's not hard, right? And that you can burn out or you can yeah. get in these creative droughts, but it means you actually enjoy that yeah. journey. That's it's it's the um, Liz Gilbert has this great book, um, uh, Big Magic. It's about like art and creativity. It's awesome. You would probably love it. It's one of those things where like when you're in that kind of creative slump, it it like can make you feel better. But she talks about how like um, every type of job or like every type of lifestyle has like what she calls like a shit sandwich. And she says like the question is like which which flavor do you choose? Like which one do you want? Yeah. Which I think really rings true. Like there's That's so great. There's like sandwich. there's like you know this there's stuff about being a professional artist that is like terrible. But like we pick it over the stuff that's terrible about being a dentist or it's like which pain do you choose to experience yeah. with anything? If you're like, oh, I want to be a doctor, the pain of med school, the yeah. pain of late hours, like right. crazy, like weird back and forth, or if a musician, like the pain of maybe anxiety, the unknown, mm-hmm. you know, weird pay, yeah, like, weird pay, <laughs> like <laughs> the understatement know, if you choose of to be the a year. mom, yeah. like the pain totally. of losing a lot of your f- personal freedom, yeah. And also totally your body and just so many things you kind of have to choose which pain am I willing to go through? Totally. Because I'm passionate about 100% the content fully agree. Like every choice, everything that you decide to do with your life is going to have like that shit sandwich. It's just like, which one do you pick? Yeah. Mm, Stinky. (laughs) So when you were little, you were playing piano and it sounds like you were just, you were liking piano more than some kids. Like you liked it. You like wanted to work on it that you were kind of self-motivated to improve. Um, 
And then, so you didn't, you didn't start, you didn't sing in front of anyone until like seventh grade, but like before that, were you like realizing you like singing? Like what was your kind of private experience with it? My private experience with it was watching actually my, my older sister, my older brother sing. Cool. Um, she started taking voice lessons and did recitals. And I remember going to watch her and she always had a, just, my older sister had a naturally beautiful voice. And I remember going to her recitals and just being really inspired by that. Just, wow. Yeah. Like, that's cool. And then my brother was in a band. Yeah. Wow. Just, You've it was You've got all funny. kinds of musicians in your family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, I didn't know he, that. He played drums and he was in a band, um, Jake Workman. Okay. Um, yeah. I know Jake Workman. Was his guitarist. For, super talented, yeah. like Jake Workman, crazy like, musician. tours with like Cat Stevens now or someone crazy. Um, that dude who plays at the Grand Old Opry, um, Bluegrass. Yeah. Ricky Skaggs. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I is his was, name. You're right. It's not Cat oh, Stevens. Oh, man. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it's a guy just, who's based in Utah and is just like a virtuoso. Virtuoso. Yeah. For sure. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm confident with the fact. He's not based fact. in Utah anymore. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he's gone. Nashville. He's long gone. Yeah. Nashville. And he married like this violinist and they're just the cutest couple. And I'm cool. just like. I've so never cool. met him. I just hear about him from Andrew because, yeah, Andrew will be like, oh, Jake Workman. <laughs> I've never <Yeah>. met him. <laughs> My brother was in his band, like, and seeing Jake just be this amazing guitar, my brother playing drums and singing and just this level of confidence. My older brother, I always looked up to him in the wave. He never really cared what people thought of him. He just amazing. would do what he wanted. And I always just something about that light I was just attracted yeah. to, like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And not until ninth grade when I was at Jordan Commons watching a movie with my family over Thanksgiving, just after we had Thanksgiving dinner and we went to go watch, I can't remember what movie, but the trailers were playing and this Peter Pan trailer started playing mm. and the song clocks by Coldplay started mm. playing over the trailer the most magical feeling I've ever felt in my wow. entire life. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what this is. This is straight up pure magic. And I want to recreate this. Yeah. I went home after that and immediately started listening to the song. I'm like, I want to play it on piano. I learned how to play mm -hmm. it on piano. I'm like, yeah. I want to sing along with this. And I think from that time forward was when I started to get into the idea of like singing and Playing, playing and writing, yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Then I wrote my first song the next year in 10th grade. Okay, amazing. I, I want to like reconnect back to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you something else. Oh, um, so were you singing like bef before that 7th grade Foo Fighters thing? Were, wait, Fall Out Boy, no Foo Fighters. Yeah, Sorry. Fall Out Boy, yeah. <laughs> um, were, were you singing to yourself? Like, were you, I mean, you said, okay, you said that you were watching your older siblings. I think, here's my question. Sorry. Yes. I'm like working myself back to it. Yeah. If your older siblings were singing, why do you think you felt shy about it? Like when you were, you know, like it wasn't like it was like, no, we don't sing in this family. Yeah. You know, you had like true. a sister and a brother who were singing. Uh, I don't know. I, ever since I was a kid, I always had a hard time with my confidence and with caring what people thought of me yeah that was always something that I struggled with I, re I remember seeing like a a family home video where I was crying and I'm and I was and <laughs> we're at dinner I'm like 
they will make fun of me. Yeah. They will, I want to. They. I, I don't want to sit over there because they're gonna laugh at me. Yeah. And I'm just like, I had this really kind of raspy voice that yeah, called me a cute. ghost, ghostist. <laughs> and I don't know why I. That was just one of the earthly struggles that yeah. I was given. Yeah. Yeah. And man, have I worked hard to overcome that. Yeah. Um, I'm still on that journey in a lot of ways of like learning to get rid of all the cultural biases and the limitations and the boxes and the expectations I've put on myself of like what I see around me, what I hear, what the behaviors and like the, how other people are and literally like learning how to sit within my own masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. Like I just posted a story on Facebook, on, on Instagram, because Alicia Keys, I was watching this YouTube video of her talking about like women afraid to show masculine energy and these yeah. men afraid to show feminine energy totally. because it's it's not like it's, a societal norm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's looked down upon in so many ways. Yeah. Which I think is just bullshit. Totally. Well, and I'm, I'm really relating to what you're saying about like, because I think I think I really similar in the sense that like as a child I definitely was expressing like I I taught I mean just talking like I was talking <laughs> non real talker stop as a child <laughs> yeah. I love um, that I I'm, love that I'm famous for just never never shutting Stopping. up <laughs> yeah and it's been like that since I was like literally 18 months old as I'm told um but I was always talking I was always drawing I was always writing I was always planning I was always organizing <laughs> um, a little miss boss Totally, totally. <laughs> I totally was. But also like, yeah, like you said, making lists about how you're going to like reorganize your room. We should run, we should run that story by Andrew and he'll be like, oh, Emily's like that. Cause I'm, <laughs> I, I call it like, I call it like being dreamy. Like yeah. I, I just like, I'm feeling dreamy today and I want to just sit down and like think about what I might do. Um, and like making lists is definitely like part of that or like thinking about the changes you're going to make. Um, thinking about like what you'd like to be but I also felt like extremely insecure and like when you told that story about they're gonna laugh at me my whole family teases me about this time that like I came home crying I was like six and um I had said I said to my mom that there were like birds that were laughing at me like it was some crows or something (laughs) I was like they're laughing at me and they were just like crows like cackling that's 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 sad to hear but also but really kind of get it yeah yeah Yeah, so I I'm kind of just thinking like I'm wondering if there's some combination there's some correlation there of like wanting so badly to be like understood and to be seen and to Mm -hmm. express but then also kind of just feeling like maybe there's not room for the exact person that you are or Hmm, I don't know what exactly it is but as a child kind of having that balance of sensitivity like being really open but also being scared like isn't that a strange combination it's it's a strange thing maybe being the middle child for me I always kind of felt like there was this sense of I have to you know be as good as my older brother you know but then like compete in a way and like try and be the best and win like my parents approval of like this is the best son like this is the the most talented hardworking. like yeah and even though there isn't that you know 
it's kind of like a weird game that doesn't exist, but for some reason we still play it. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, some of that stuff is super cultural too. Like some of that stuff you just see being reinforced in like other families that you know, and it can be, it can be reinforced in like small ways, like how you hear your parents talk about like their friends, kids, you know, like I think some of that stuff is like, you get those messages. Like there's messages, there's like subtle messages that come along the way where I can't remember really any of them. Yeah but they probably are ingrained in our subconscious like over time. Especially like in this culture, like where everyone has such big families. Um, I mean, or a lot of people have big families and then like, I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's there's like, there's definitely, there's definitely stuff that we have like in this particular like microcosm that probably isn't in like some places. Um, So, okay. By the time you're in like junior high, you're like, killing it at piano with Lori. Um, you didn't start taking voice lessons until later after the Coldplay incident. Yeah. I, I did a little bit of voice lessons in middle in middle school with the lady down the street, Barbara. N- nothing like super serious, but like when I heard about David Archuleta, I was like fanboying over him and just like, oh my gosh, who's his voice teacher? And then yeah. I started taking from his voice teacher, who I still take from today. Is that Dean? Uh, Dean. Yeah. yeah, Dean Kalen. Uh, I think... In 10th grade, the end of 10th grade, I was just that summer and never stopped. And that's when okay. for me, it's just like, I love this. Yeah. I want to do this. Um, How did you, so you started, it wasn't a big deal to start. Like your sister had been doing it. It wasn't like this foreign thing, like voice lessons. So that was, it was, it was kind of scary. I just mean for the family. Like, oh, for the family. You didn't have to be like, mom and dad, I want to take a voice lessons. No. Okay. It, I definitely was kids, more. that's a big thing. I was definitely more made fun of by my little brother. That was always okay. hard for me. Like, I remember when I first started taking, it was all three of us boys went to the lesson and we all couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. The entire you were time. just embarrassed. Then yeah. they stopped. I kept going. And then when I'd go home and practice, my little brother would kind of like. Yeah, laugh in the kitchen and like mimic me a little bit and like I sing oh Danny boy oh Danny boy (laughs) the pipes the pipes are good just these like super totally I have to have conversations with my students about like how to talk to their younger siblings about or or older siblings about how they're practicing because that is so real like it's a real when you're practicing something hard and new your voice is going to sound bad And then you're gonna you know, like have to sound bad for a yeah. Bit. <laughs> and I have to talk to my students about how to like tell, like, you know, I, I don't like start with this, but like when they're like, I don't want to practice in front of my brother, I have to be like, okay, let's like give you some vocabulary with which to handle this <laughs> situation yeah. where you could be like, I'm bad at it because I've never done it before. Like, isn't that kind of brave, you know, or whatever? Um, yeah. But that's so hard when you're a kid. It, when I was growing up, um, we, the piano was like in the living room. And so I would have to practice my voice stuff like in the middle of the house, like in front of everybody. And man, it was rough. Like, and wow. I, I didn't have a super supportive, like my parents weren't supportive. Um, my mom especially was so critical and would just be like, she would just be like, she would just walk by like in the hallway and be like, that sounds terrible. You know? Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. It was that's, rough stuff. That That's Man, like just a quick side note about parenting and parents. I've noticed a difference with parents who are carry like more of like lighter, good energy and 
kindness and love and yeah. how that affects their children as opposed to that parents that are usually dealing with traumatic demons and all this anger and taking it out on their kids and yeah. how they give it to their kids. Totally. And I'm just like, in the future, I'm just like, I want to be able to literally love myself so much to yeah. the point where 90% of the time I radiate goodness for yeah. my soul. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're 100%. human, right? We're imperfect, but I definitely don't want to traumatize and give my trauma to my future kids. Yeah. I read this book that I, that really like affected that part of my mind. Um, it's called presence and it's, it's the book that talk. Um, everybody's heard of it cause there's a Ted talk, but she talks about like, if you do like the wonder woman pose before a job interview, you'll like be more confident. Have you heard of that? Like if you stand in like a starfish pose, it actually like raises, like it lowers your cortisol and raises like your confidence, confidence hormones. So it's that book. And there's this section of the book where she talks about like, um, personal power versus like a finite power. And if you have like personal power, then like you have kind of have a belief that like, what's better for you is also better for everyone. And what's better for other people is good for you. And like you see power is like an infinite resource and like the world is better for all of us. If each of us has like strong personal power yeah. Um, versus like a finite power where like someone else's success, like makes you like you makes you feel lesser. Um, and I was definitely raised in that kind of an environment. So wow. hearing that idea of like everyone being their like shiniest best selves is like better for everyone seems like such a no-brainer but it definitely wasn't a no-brainer for me like based mm. on how I was raised so I try to like always think about that and remember it when I feel those like those little like competitive or like yeah well if, why is he so good at that or why is she so good at that and that's hard for me it's just the art of being yourself yeah totally that's it it's like it's super simple idea but in practice it can be harder for others for yeah. sure So let's talk about, um, so I like to talk about people's childhoods and just like that raw creativity and what you're doing with it. And then usually I think when you get into like middle school and high school, that's when like, you know, it's kind of expected of you because of classes you're in or whatever, that your skills start really like improving. Like you start auditioning for musicals in your school and, you know, there start being some like tangible things that make you want to like really improve your craft. So, um, I don't know that I have like a really specific question, but can you just tell me about like how those years between like, you know, being 11, 12 and being like 18, like what, what like happened in your skill development? Funny story there. Okay. Actually. Let's hear it. (laughs) I stopped taking piano when I was around 12 ish. And I think... I think this has to do also with being a closeted, um, when I was closeted at the time, hiding yeah. like who I was, and I and th- the whole cultural talk toxic masculinity, where, you know, you have to be more of a into sports and, yeah. and you go to church and you kiss girls and you talk deep and yeah. you get back up again. You don't cry. You don't show yeah. your emotion. Where yeah. singing music totally opposite. Yeah. is like, no, you express what's inside you. So I think for a while there, I 
just it focused on wrestling. Yeah. It was complicated. I, I felt like I had two sides of myself. I had this side yeah. that learned how to pretend and how to be more manly and masculine. And I would go to the gym like from an early age. Like yeah. I went to the gym. Kind of compensating for like a, yeah. a fear. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I That's hard. was huge into wrestling with my family. That was like where I fit. That's where I felt like I was gaining this manly power and I love a lot of things I learned from that, but I think it was about, and I stopped from 12 and kind of did lessons like here and there. And it was always something that I liked. And I remember watching like the Jackson five singing together, like these brother bands and just like, I want to do that. Yeah. That's so cool. And high school is when I started doing more, more and more singing and playing the piano. I started taking lessons again from this guy who's still my piano yeah. teacher today. His name's okay. Ken Foster. Okay, cool. And taking voice lessons, but everything I did with music was private. Okay. It was like I see. Yeah. I didn't do choir at school. Okay. I didn't do any drama. I didn't do any theater. I didn't it was very, very I was very selective about yeah, it was how I sh- how I shared myself yeah. to the world. Well, even just like with Dean, your voice teacher, like, I mean, what was it like, you know, maybe kind of for the first time having someone give you sort of like feedback about your voice that you then like work on? Like, what what was it like? Do you have any memories of like what it felt like to be like working on that? Oh, yes. Tell me about that. So when I went to Dean's, there was like the the audition where you have to audition mm, to I be his he does student. That. Yeah, I don't know if he does it anymore. He I might. I think he does. I think he probably still does. But I was nervous, thinking like I have to audition to like even be a student of this yeah. prestigious vocal coach who teaches, who taught like yeah. the amazing David Archuleta. And I remember yeah. my mom drove me there. I was shaking the whole time. Wow. My face was red. And I was like, I just went for it. That was something I've always been good at is like you drop filling the fear. fear. Yeah. Like I fill it, but I force myself (laughs) just to do it. And I remember just shaking and I, and, and then I think he called us back and said, Oh, let's get you another lesson. And I was super stoked about it. And I remember him like my voice being tired after lessons and just like working hard and not hurt. Yeah. But like tired in a way of just like, oh, that was a hard workout. Like, and then going home and him giving me really hard songs to sing. Like, he yeah. had me sing in the beginning this Stevie Wonder song, Isn't She Lovely? Yeah. Which was really high for my voice. Yeah. And I had a tendency to just want to yeah, s- scream pu- pushing it. and push it. But he was teaching me to kind of get into that normal balance. And I remember singing that song and just sucking. And, <laughs> and what I did is he had me sing instead of the lyrics had me sing the song, the melody with vowels and whatnot. And I remember doing that for mm. hours at a time. I make my students do that. Nay, 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 nay. Just yeah. like doing this over and over again. And like yeah. in my, in my head, I got to the point where I started to feel like over the span of like a couple of years, like singing be- started to become a little bit easier Wow! because I just loved sitting at, in at the computer or in my room for two hours at a time, you know, multiple times a week yeah. and just vocalizing and 
really going through that struggle and actually like really enjoying it more than piano. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I absolutely piano even still today when I practice is still a chore. Yeah. It's still work. Yeah. I love playing piano, yeah. but singing it supports your voice. Never yeah. been a chore. Yeah. Even when I practice, it's like therapy. Yeah, yeah. I, I still way. every day will do vocal exercises and it calms me and yeah. it makes me feel well, good inside. It's and- that same. I mean, I think we probably have a similar experience here too. It's like singing is special because it is a connection between like your figurative voice and your literal body. You know, like your your singing singing is like a soul like a deep self kind of a thing, but it also really requires like a, a body integration, Mm -hmm. which I think if you're a person who, for whatever reason has conflict between those things, which like I definitely did as a kid, um, for different reasons than you, but, um, but it, it can be, it is therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a teacher, like my favorite students, to work with are people who really struggle with that kind of stuff. Cause I feel like I know how to help them with that. Like I almost, I don't know. I feel like I almost don't care that much whether my students are great singers. Like if they are, then like, obviously I'm like on board for it and I'm yeah. like, what can you do? Yeah. But like if someone comes to take lessons from me and they're like kind of tone deaf, but like I can sense that they have that like need to like integrate their like figurative self with their literal body. Yeah. There's nothing that like gets me a, a bigger high than like helping someone with that. Cause I know like what that struggle is. Yes. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, it's, it's really important. And I think a lot of the, a lot of us that really, really love singing in that kind of deep way, like have got some of that stuff going on. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's definitely a very thing where it's your own, it's your voice and, um, what you have to say to the world and your perspective and in your unique way with Mm -hmm. your unique tone and with piano, you know, it all sounds the same. We all can kind of play the piano differently, but it's always been more of a support to my main instrument, which is my voice. Well, I don't want to gloss over that. You said, you know, after a couple of years, your voice started to feel better. Like when you were working with Dean, um, I don't want to gloss over that word years because again, I think like when the general public thinks about professional artists, it's so difficult for them to imagine that it, we were ever bad at things. You know? yeah. they, they, they see the shiny prepackaged yeah. product or the live show or the, the song, which, you know, is made to perfection yeah. with engineering yeah. and tools yeah. and tuning and all these things that perfect something and where, yeah, they don't, didn't see any of... They forget to think about those the years, the years that you spent, like, not being able to get your instrument to do what you wanted it to do. Oh, um, yeah. Which is just important <laughs> to say. I mean, I feel like I say to people all the time now, like, you know, I'll say, like, I used to have no range. I used to have like an octave and that was all that I had. And people would be like, Oh, stop it. Don't be hard on yourself. And I'm like, no, I'm so proud. Like this isn't me being hard on myself. This is me telling you, like I have I worked for busted this. my butt for this. Yeah. yeah. I feel um, good about this. But I think part of people, they don't want to receive it because it's, it's, it's honestly like, I think it's some somewhat incomprehensible to people to imagine that you weren't good at it before. Like they can't, mm. and I think it like people, it, they love the Cinderella story because if they had to behold, like if they had to really like comprehend how hard it was for you, 
like, I don't know. I think, I think it makes people kind of think like, I don't know. I, I almost feel like people, they get like jealous of artists sometimes. Do you think that's true? Like, I think sometimes people think like, oh, I would love to be able to sing. Yeah. Um, and if they had to understand how hard it was for you, like that magic kind of, like there's it something kinda, about it that's it like, kind of oh. takes all the, the amazingness away. It's almost like the picture of like, if you really knew what I had to go through, would you actually want to be in a relationship with me? Like if you're dating someone yeah. and it's like, once you actually know who I really am, yeah. you know, like, are you willing to go through like the boring parts of yeah. life with me? Yeah. You know, cause there's so yeah. much, there's like, there's so much boring to yeah. life that you kind of have to go yeah. to, to get to these moments that, you know, right. you're singing in front of a crowd of 20,000 people right. or your song is getting millions of streams or like these amazing accom- accomplishments like every artist yeah. wants. Yeah, how much boring and how much like not lucky and not shiny, how much just like everyday grind We're, is behind that. I've had the experience of having like these validating successful moments, but then I realize I'm like, that's not like real life because... When you step off the stage or you you stop looking at your phone at all these numbers yeah. and metrics, what you're left with is, again, the actual substance itself, like singing and creating yeah. and writing and going back to like where you were at when you first started yeah. all over again. Totally. And I'm like, I attribute any of my success or where I've gotten to because... I'm just so passionate about singing yeah. and expressing myself. Yeah. Not even like writing like, oh, I just want to write. It's usually I like to write from a place of emotion. Yeah. Um, what, so you wrote your first original in like, what did you say, 10th grade? 10th grade with my brother. I co-wrote okay. with him. Um, do you want to say anything about that? Like, was it was it kind of incidental or was it like, oh my gosh, I'm going to write something? Well, you start somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching the movie Music and Lyrics. I've never I've never heard of that. Um, it's amazing. You should watch it. It's about a songwriter and this singer and cool. love story stuff and um but it made me wanna try writing a song. I yeah. remember I sat down at the piano and I'm like, Oh, write a song. I started playing something and I was like, this is hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Like I did once a reflections thing in sixth grade where I wrote a, a little piano piece. A little piano that's like piece. a competition thing, right? Yeah. I think that's a Utah specific thing. I've heard a couple really? people like mention it, but I don't really know. I, I think so. Yeah. And I won like the school award, then I got to the district and then lost. But Oh, cool. Um, it's a public schools competition. Uh, yes. Art, art competition thing. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. But... I tried to write by myself, didn't work, but then I, my brother and I sat down to write a song, and I think him and I sitting down together, we wrote this song called Never Let Go, have no idea, I never, when I first started writing, thought about a message, it was more about a feeling and emotion yeah. that I wanted to portray through voice and piano and chords, and so him and I sat down, I did this really simple piano thing, and we, I sing a verse, he sing a verse, and we sing the choruses separate and then together. Yeah, and cute. And <laughs> we didn't think too hard about it. I mean, we were inspired by some like these emo acoustic, um, the scene aesthetic, some of these like super angsty, cool teenager acoustic people. 
bands and artists. And we were just inspired by that. And we just started writing songs. And then he went on a mission for two years. Okay. When he left, that's when I started writing by myself. Okay. Okay. And was that really hard? Getting or into it. Was that difficult? Like, did you have, did you have to like convince yourself to do it? Or was it just like he's no, gone? So now I'm writing. No, okay. I think what happened was it's really funny because when, when he, before he left, him and I sang, he was like, better than me and like so mm. good at what he did he and I thrived a him. little when he was gone when he left <laughs> i got really good i started taking so lessons funny. and writing more he came yeah. home and i showed him songs that he's, he's like like you're smoking me he's Eric. like oh my gosh you like you have a voice like you're so good oh, and i remember I hearing that. that from him and i was like whoa like do i like yeah maybe i do like how old were you when he left uh i think Maybe 10th or 11th grade-ish, okay. like tenth, the end of 10th grade, and then I think he got back when I was in my senior year. Okay, because I'm pretty sure that the first time I met you, you were still in high school. I think I met you at Lori's house, like Megan, you were hanging out with Megan, mm-hmm. which is Megan. my sister-in-law. Um, yeah, Her and I I'm, would hang out, we'd leave school and go to my house to play scales on piano. That's so nerdy. <laughs> like she would get cuties. on, she would get on one piano, I get on the other. I'm like, okay, let's play C and let's do it as fast as we can. We'd play it together. <laughs> That's so silly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I met you. I met you like a couple times when you were still in high school. And what I remember is that like you already had like a solid like pure identity as being like a guy who sings and writes and is great. Is that do you? Was that true? Towards the end of yeah. Towards the end of high school, I kind of built up like this, I don't know, just this image of myself within my friends. And like, I remember when I started singing my songs to people, to my yeah, friends. Yeah, like ta- or ta- like, people you do like would, talent shows at school or sing in church? Or- I did only a couple things. So I did one talent show in ninth grade. I played a song by Ashley Parker Angel called Apology. It's super ballady, whatever. And like, I think when I played at that, people responded really well and everyone was like holy crap like you're so good and i i think that was very motivating to to do that and have people respond that way and then from that time forward i would would even have people be like you're like the best singer i've ever heard yeah i mean i heard things about that from like about you Like, because I remember, because I'm, you know, when I moved to Utah, I had a master's degree in, in uh, music. And so I'm sure people would talk to me about like, oh, you've got to, you know, so I like, I remember like, I I, I remember this specific time, like, I don't even know if I talked to you maybe because like, you know, all of the teenagers are hanging out, like you don't want to bother them, you know, so Uh maybe I was in the kitchen and I feel like I remember like all of the Merrills being like, Eric he's amazing. He's like going to be famous. He's like the best. So that's why I'm wondering, like, I mean, certainly that was like a narrative. Like certainly that was a thing. Yeah. And like, how did you feel about it? You know, it's, I never, so it it was a narrative that wasn't like told to me all the time. And I've also had people like kind of talk me down as well too. Yeah. And I'll tell you about that. But the narrative was, I remember one of my friends, Chris, it was his name. I I played a song and then on like Facebook, he's like, dude, you're like the best singer. And then another friend, Nate, Nate in ninth grade was like, you're amazing. And then I won this award (laughs) when I graduated as like the person most likely to become famous (laughs) because I won Alta Idol 
my Alta's my, the high school. Yeah, Alta High School, like an Alta Idol thing. And then I went like Draper Idol and got to perform there. And then I got to perform uh at the conference center up in Salt Lake in front of like twenty thousand people. I auditioned wow. to be you were like a teenager then. I was a like, teenager. Okay. No, I was in eleventh grade. Okay. So I had these things when I was auditioning and I'm like, this is working. Yeah. I'm like, there's something here. Like yeah, if it's working, things. yeah. It's like maybe this is something I'm good at. I might not be the best. Yeah. And that's something I realized was I also had the opportunity to go to this summer camp for 10 days in LA. Sweet. Um, in the summer of my 11th grade year, my dad's like, it's expensive, but I want you to do it. That like, like I'm going to pay for it. my heart. Like your parents being so supportive. Oh my gosh. That's huge. They both have been so Even supportive. Like, they put me out there. I was like yeah. this, you know, Mormon boy that's never been exposed to the world put me in LA and I met some friends on the way there and I remember just like my roommates being like super grotesque and just like (laughs) I was just like so scared of like the talking about sex and like all these scary things I was so sheltered and there was this thing where we did an open mic every night and then they the judges there would like give you feedback on your voice and then mm-hmm. they would pick 10 people to perform at the very end of this camp in front of everyone they'd bring these music ex- executives and publishers and cool and people to watch and i remember i performed my song and one of the judges was like you have like the most smooth buttery tone i've ever heard and then and then they gave me feedback of like you know, how to get out of my shell yeah. a little bit and perform. They were like, like, you're look awkward. At the yes. <laughs> like look over at the audience, you know, and yeah. play the piano uh-huh. and this and that. And cause it was literally, I played my very first song I've had ever written in yeah. front of the judges and all these people. Oh, you were so scared. I was so scared. <laughs> and then at the end of the 10 days, like they had a sheet that showed all the the names and performers who got to sing at the end. And I was walking with my friends to go get lunch and my name was on there. They're like, Eric, your name is on there. That's awesome. And I'm they like, were supportive of I you. I literally was shocked. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Yeah. Like, compared to all these other singers yeah. that were so seasoned, yeah. confident, and good, <laughs> who've yeah. been doing it for years. And yeah. one of them, actually, have you heard of the artist Bishop Briggs? Yeah. She was a friend of mine at the same camp. Cool. Um, Anyway, she wasn't big then, but like she was also that got to sing at the very end there. And I remember just like my, I told my dad and he's like, we're flying in. He's like, I have to come and see you perform. And then we'll, then we'll go to like Disneyland or something. So he flew in with my mom, my dad, my little brother and my cousin and my dad told me he was sitting in the crowd and he was like, I'm, he was seeing the other performers go on. He was, I was so nervous for you. Aww. My dad's always been a realist with me. He's yeah. never been like a dick or like too critical. Yeah. But one thing he has been is brutally honest. Yeah. Where he was just straight up like, I don't know if you're going to, we're going to be as good as these other people. And I went out and I did my thing and it was awesome. Yeah. I definitely probably wasn't the best and that's okay. I mean, but I did it and I was, I did my thing. And I just remember, uh, after that, my dad telling me, he's like, Eric, if you're going to do this music thing, he's like, first off your voice, there's nothing really special about your voice. It's like to stand out, you have to, 
be different. You have, have like to be unique. Voice. Yeah. You have to have a great voice. Yeah. He's like your one friend, Kenzie, which is yeah, yeah. Megan's friend, has a super beautiful, unique voice. I didn't even know she sang. Yeah. Yeah. She has an <laughs> amazing voice. And my dad, I remember that what that did to me rather than defeat me, it literally became fuel. Well, you, I mean, I just want to like kind of acknowledge, is that like, is that coming out of check, there? Check, check. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like my my parents were 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 brutally honest, but no but no support, you know. Mm. And I I just want to acknowledge, like, you know, your parents were paying money, and like that's also priv- so much privilege. Oh yeah. But like your parents were paying. We money. Definitely weren't rich, but yeah. we were privileged sure. to have things. But paying money for you to take lessons from one of the best voice teachers in the country. Yes. Um, who happens to live in Utah, Right, <laughs> um, like sending you to a camp in LA, believing you, believing in you, like saying, you know, especially if it, you know, you didn't have all of the money for them to say like, we're going to come out there, we're going to fly out and then we're going to go to Disneyland. Like those are such, those are such supportive actions that then I can totally see that from your dad, you know, saying like, if you're going to really do this, you're going to have to like really work hard that reads to you as love and not like i don't really think you can do it because he there had been all of this evidence it's kind of, of like a tough love type of yeah. a thing he's like and i believe in it's you. surrounded by all of yeah. this support and like we're we're going to give you the opportunities that you need yeah. um and i and i also just think that's important to acknowledge you know again like i think my my mission with this podcast like i want to hear all the varied stories of professional artists um because i think that no matter what our stories are what we do is like it's kind of amazing in the sense that it's just hard. It's hard to do it, you know, and I'm sh- it's not at all to say that like there aren't amazing things about other careers. I just don't know what they are because it's, you know, <laughs> but like there's, you know, creativity yeah. and art is like something that makes humans different. It's something that's so human. Huge so, impact on people's lives. Right. And so for those of us that make that our career, it's there's something special about it. But I'm also interested in inspiring creativity for people who aren't in the habit of being creative. And I'm also interested in encouraging artists who who have different types of backgrounds. So, you know, it would be easy for someone like if I had seen you as a younger person, I would have assumed that your parents were totally mean to you, like mine were to me, you know, and then I would have thought like he if he can be that good like i just would have assumed that you had like yeah. nothing that i didn't have you know mm-hmm. so i think like it's not at all to say i mean you all, we're also talking about how you spent 3 years bef- before you felt like your voice was doing anything you wanted it to do mm-hmm. but i think i think it's hard for us to see in our own lives the balance of like the things we have and the things we don't have and the more that we talk about those things, because like there certainly were advantages that I had, like I had great teachers, yeah. I had good pitch, you know, like right away, like I had good ears, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, I think there are, I don't know, I just think it's worthwhile to acknowledge like the things you have that aren't yours to own, the things that like you had. Yeah. And then the things that like you had to get. <laughs> and I also, I was thinking about this thinking about this this morning of being open to accepting people's help not relying on it but when people do want to help you like i 
I don't think that's a weakness. No, not there, at there's all. There's like this stigma, especially just within men, that it's like you have to do everything on your own. You have to teach yourself how to do everything. You have to make all your own money. Like you literally have to do it all on your own with the help of no one else, and that's what success means. But I'm like, no. To me, I think it makes someone stronger when they allow people to help them. And like that's why still I, I love taking lessons even now. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a therapist who still goes to therapy type of yeah, a thing. Yeah. Um, I still love taking lessons and, you know, receiving support from my family and friends in the way yeah. that they can support me and not thinking of that as like a weakness because it's like you're working to each person's strengths, you know, and like yeah. I have weaknesses, I have strengths, but I'm going to lean forward with my strengths first. And, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. You're right. Everyone has a different story and everything is never as it seems like you might think that someone has um, something all figured out or like you look at these successful artists and it's like they could probably be the most unhappy, miserable person and you would never want their life. Right. But on Instagram or through money and success and streams and numbers and concerts, it looks glamorous. But if you knew what was happening on the inside, you'd be like, shit, like. I'm so glad I'm yeah. myself. Right or now. even <laughs> just like really practical stuff. Like sometimes people who have like yeah. a killer Instagram are broke. And then like the people who are kind of killing it money wise, like aren't flashy. Aren't flashy so, at all. I mean, and don't have a great yeah. Instagram. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is, which is why, you know, again, why I think like our careers are so weirdly misunderstood. I just, I want people to know like yeah. what it actually is. I want people to know. I want people to know the kinds of things that we like work through. I want people to understand the kinds of things that are like really beautiful and like a really, you know, a gift. Um, do you want to say anything about like, you kind of briefly mentioned that there were people who were like not that supportive, do you want to say anything about how that like affected you? People that would kind of tear you down yeah, or how you dealt with it or is it not worth talking about? I think it's, it's really funny. Um, the, the people that have made the most negative impact on myself are usually not the ones that are strangers. They're the people that are closest to me mm. or that I'm co-creating with or family members or close friends. And I'm not going to go like yeah, into you, detail sure. about it or like which people have yeah. affected me in negative ways. But I will say that it's important. It's, it's super important for you to create a protection around your creativity and your dreams and your worth mm. and not letting anyone to get into, to get inside your head. Like, not necessarily where you create walls where it's like you yeah. can't express things, but it's more of like just protecting your worth and protecting your mind and not letting people get get in there and fester in there. And yeah. you start doubting yourself and thinking like they can do it better. Like I'm good for nothing. They could sing it better than me. Like I'm singing this horrible or, you know, like I've even had comments from family members that are like, stop wearing that. Like that's, mm. stop doing It's just like... I'm at a point now in my life, I'm turning 29 next month. I'm going to wear what I want. I'm going to sing what I want. I'm going to yeah. sing how I want. Um, I'm going to put out songs I want to put out. And I'm going to just be. Yeah. 
I'm I'm gonna stop trying yeah. so hard. I feel like my entire life I tried to control it, and I I tried to force it to be this certain thing. And what that did is made me a feel more miserable. Yeah. B feel way more anxious. Yeah. And C like limit, sabotaged yeah, more success and opportunities. Yeah. And I'm like I'm just gonna start being, mm-hmm. and whatever I wake up to that day of like, I want to wear this. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to wear it. Do you or, feel like there's, I want to write this. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Do you feel like there's still like a role of like feedback? Like how do you balance like taking feedback that you trust? Like how do you decide or do you, are you kind of like in a thing where you're like, I'm just going to try trusting myself. So it depends on, um, so it, in terms of creation, the yeah. songs I'm creating, um, how we go about it in our band is if it's a song that I'm bringing to the table, um, I kind of take the leadership over that song and the the vision for it, and I completely give my uh, full authentic self to it and all my intuition. But if it's someone else's song that they're bringing to the table, you let them lead. I let yeah. them lead, and I give my ideas, but I trust them. Yeah, and I let them make decisions. We we haven't been doing that honestly in our band until we just decided this last week because yeah. we've been kind of miserable creating together as a band for the past little bit of just trying to force every song to be yeah. what all four of us agree right. upon, but it's like no. It just Yeah, I mean, you think about a band like that's one thing like I love the Eagles. I know the Eagles split people sometimes like, but I love the Eagles. And yeah. that's one thing I love about the Eagles like they're not concerned about like some songs having a totally different voice because it's just like, well, this is is, this is John's song and this is Glenn's song and this is the bass yeah. player's song who has his name I can't yep. remember but anyway yeah I can't remember either the guy <laughs> with the long hair who wrote can't tell you why yeah um anyway uh yeah or the Beatles like where they would sing you know and they would write songs and they have like the most ridiculous songs like the Yellow Submarine yeah where it just seemed like they were having fun yeah Right? Yeah, like we don't need to be so like uh about a brand or something. Yeah, it's like just like oh we well, have to more electronic that's something or something I talk about this. on the podcast all the time with my guests is like this idea of authenticity. It's such bullshit sometimes because you don't authentic can change like from day to day and what's authentic what was authentic for you 3 years ago might feel totally bizarre to you now and certainly you hope to keep evolving so you know what is super authentic to you today like you have to accept the possibility that like next year it might feel a little different and even sometimes just like on one day you're totally authentically like silly billy and maybe on another day you're like a poet you know you're like deep um yeah and like i think the public or like you know whoever who other people can get really like but eric that's not who you are but like but emily that's not who you are and it's like today i am you know or like yeah that can be really uh, that's something that i have been thinking about a lot and i think maybe also because i'm a solo artist mm-hmm. um i don't i don't i very rarely get feedback in like direct ways like there's not someone being like i don't like that lyric or like you know, like I finish the song and then like I'll get feedback in these like gossipy ways sometimes mm. that I I I am still really struggling trying to figure out like which things are worth considering, like which things are like, well, maybe that is a good point and which things are like, you don't maybe. know what I'm trying to do. So yeah, what your opinion doesn't mean anything to me. Um, I yeah. guess what resonates with you, it's like what... What what 
does strike a chord. I remember one thing for me, some feedback I learned was early on, because, I mean, you get so much feedback about yourself in the music industry. You just do, and it's like sometimes mostly unsolicited, and you're just like, I don't want to hear this, but you hear it. If you're me, from other musicians, like we have heard things of like, what do you see in those guys? You know, like it's just Mm. really rude feedback. But I remember one thing was about our lyrics, about how they were kind of preachy and telly in our very first stuff and overly positive. And I remember hearing that and taking that and being like, huh, what about that do I like and what do I don't like? And what can I learn from that? And literally, the moment I, I took that advice and wrote something different that was like, I'm going to write something that's a little bit more real. Yeah, then someone's like... that's um, Someone criticizes that. And I did that, and I took the advice, and I wrote something that was real, and that's our most popular song. Oh, oh great. Yeah, okay, like it great. turned out well. I thought you were going to say, like, <laughs> as soon as I... Because I've had that experience where, like, people will be like, you're too positive. Like, I mean, not since I've lived here. Like, since I've lived here, I feel like it's the exact opposite. But I feel like I got feedback in my early 20s that were like, you're not being real. Like, everything's too perfect. Um, because I was dealing with, like, some really intense... Like shame and stuff from my childhood. I was terrified. I was, you know, so it wasn't like I was just trying to be like straight A student. I was like, you know, and then when I moved here and I started like trying to break out of some of that stuff, people were like, you're too negative. Like, you know, it's just like, you can't keep, you can't make people happy sometimes. But I'm glad to hear that that went well for you. But there's been times where I found myself giving in to, too much opinions especially like within my creative dynamic where sing this way sing it like this do it like this no like more and i've got to a place where i almost lost myself and like who am i what do i care about yeah how do i want to sing it and in a lot of ways the songs that do better are the ones where i give more of like my authentic voice to the table yeah Rather than it's just like this constructed yeah, material. Like it's like 70% Bruno <laughs> Mars and it's a little Justin Timberlake. And it's just like, and cool, then, like you did yeah. something different and unique. Like, yeah. great. Where it's like music is all about being like, people want to fill your soul. Yeah, I think and so too. I don't know. So I'm, I'm now just barely getting back to that place where I feel like I'm going to be able to bring my full soul yeah. back to the table. And we've been like through so in much past, in the past few years. Oh, yeah. um, we totally skipped over like forming your band. Like, yeah, you want to just, I'm sure that this is like, this is the kind of thing where I feel like you've probably told it a million times. Yeah. So just give, just give the listeners like just a teeny bit of context. Cause we've yeah. been, now we've been talking about like yeah. the band, but we haven't even said like the name of it or. Yeah. So, uh, the band I'm in is called foreign figures. We've been together now for like almost six years. It started in 2014. I came back from an LDS mission and prior to the mission, I had been jamming in this group called the hideout with my brother who plays drums and our current bassist, Seth Dunchy, who played guitar. And we literally would just play my songs and just jam and sometimes play gigs. Like it was just fun. We were yeah, friends. Silly little came fun. back. Yeah. Seth, our bassist was like, dude, let's do this music thing. And I'm like, Oh, I know I got to do business. Like I can't yeah. do music. But then I got sucked back in. We started perform uh, practicing in my basement, started playing gigs 
And then we're like, let's record some of these songs we've been writing. When Then we met our guitarist now and co-creator, Johnny Tanner, who does a lot of our production okay. and a lot of our engineering and yeah. mixing in our music. And um, literally from that time forward, it was like, it was never a thing of like, we want to force and start this band. It kind of just fell it was together. Organic, yeah. It was so organic. It was like... Let's do that. It's just like it yeah. kind of just all fell together, and it it was with people that I never would have probably even been friends with in high school. Like we're all just very different individuals. That's great. I mean, I think the best ways. the best kind of creative stuff happens when like different people are working together. Yeah, rather than like it never was this thing where it's just like these people who are just like get each other and the best friends like we just loved music had the same goals in mind and the same values and the same passions and literally in these six years together um we have gone from playing in a basement to selling out to local venues here in utah to getting millions of streams online um touring even up to Canada, all around the U.S., and opening for some really big national acts. Um, got to play at USANA last year yeah. at a really USANA's cool festival. USANA like a big venue that like major touring acts come through. Yes, that Let's was try. super awesome. Um, and we've had licensing deals where we've made money with our music getting on like different TV spots and cool. like trailers and stuff like that has been really cool and. Now we have our own studio, like That's we built great. our own recording studio. We have a, a van to travel with, and, and and we're filming a music video for a new single coming out this Friday. Awesome. And it's just, I don't know, it's crazy because it's like we've done all these crazy things, but like we've also have almost broken up at times, and yeah. we've questioned ourselves, and we've felt miserable, and then we've felt amazing, and yeah. it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Man, like my dad was right when he told me. He's like, do you really want to do this band thing? Like bands break up. Yeah. Like the Eagles, like see what happened with them. Like he's like bands have, again, my dad's the realist. He's always kind of talking me out of things, but then I'm always like, no, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love and that. I'm still doing it today. Yeah. And, um, there's always something, a, a weird madness inside me. That's like, all this just seems so unrealistic, but a part of me is just like, just keep going. Yeah. I have some really specific questions for you. Like I was thinking last night about like what I wanted to ask you and I have some questions about that, but I want to just ask one more thing yeah. about, um, do, I like to ask artists about like whether there's a moment or like how they, what they had to go through in order to kind of like decide to pursue it, like deciding to enroll as a music major or like, do, do you want to, do you want to tell anything about like kind of officially like, yeah, Okay, go for it. So it was 2014. I was going to UVU studying, doing generals with a major in psychology with like the goal of like, I love the human mind and I want to learn so much about it. And mm-hmm. I want, and I don't know where that'll lead me, but I love therapy. I love yeah. talking love with people. people. I love people. Um, so I was doing that. I was also kind of doing the band like for fun. And then I was in this leadership program at UVU where we got like free housing for being a part of it. It was like a scholarship type of a thing. Cool. And they did these seminars and this one guy we're in the, in the UVU theater and he was presenting and he was talking about 
his life. I can't even re- really remember like exactly what he was talking about, but this was like a huge transitionary period for me. I'm like still figuring out my life of yeah. what I wanted to do. Right. And he talked about, I don't know. I don't remember what he said, but he just said something of this, like whatever it is inside of you that you're afraid to do, but you wish you could do realistically, like the rest of your life, like do that, like do that thing you're afraid of. Like, yeah. go for it. Yeah. And I remember I was sitting there and I was just like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I literally left right away. Yeah. Walked over to the music department. It was like, sign me up for commercial music right now. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm changing my major. Yeah. And she's like, literally classes start tomorrow. <laughs> like they start in two days. Yeah. Like all your classes are already signed up. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, and I took a, I took a brochure thing read through it all, like was so stoked, talked with um, a counselor and got everything switched over to commercial music. And I'm like, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. I, I've always have felt passionate about music, not in a technical like theory sense. Yeah. More of in just like, like the, the artist side, the yeah. storytelling, yeah. The like people the motion, the, the connection yeah. of it rather than like the technical like i want to push buttons and yeah, like yeah, yeah. be perfect yeah. um where there's art to that as well but for sure it's a different type of mind i mean yes. that's another reason mm-hmm. why i like talking to all mediums and all kinds of artists because like you wouldn't believe how much variety there is in like what each person like loves about what they do yeah and what each person hates about what they do <laughs> like it's all it's a different literally, balance yeah literally um, I like that. Yeah. What, that was that. Did you end up graduating? So what happened was I went to a, an entire year. Yeah, which was, was that great. the year that I was there? That was the year you were there. I was teaching. You were, there you were just, one of my teachers. I was barely. I mean, I taught. I taught a performance lect- class. Or I taught something. a lecture series. It was just like, it wasn't yeah. even. I didn't. Students. I wasn't allowed to take role. There wasn't like I didn't give grades. It wasn't actually a class. It was it's, like a little seminar thing. Yeah. And they, they wanted me to teach. They just asked me to like pick a different topic every single class period. That must have been interesting. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. So I, I remember like I taught one class on like how to have like how to be how to practice creatively, mm-hmm. like be creative with your practice. I taught a class on like how to run a sound system. <laughs> Like, I mean, like, I think I did like 12 classes and they were all like totally different. Uh, I'd be yeah. like, today we're going to talk about like communicating te- with I your bandmates. I remember one from you. It was like mic technique. I think that was like the tech. Mm-hmm. I, I taught a, I taught a whole class on like gear. Yeah. Um, Cause uh-huh. I was just like, I don't know what these kids need. Like, so yeah. I tried to just like make it like extremely broad, but like I had no, there were no, they were just like teach whatever you was want. When everyone got to sing and we got to hear everyone's voice and like I don't even remember. I don't remember that. Yeah, might have been someone else I teaching g- that. Oh, I think that was because um, they had me switching off with um, Emily Warner. Yes. Yeah, which is probably confusing because we're both Emily oh, and both okay, blonde. She was doing like a vocal thing, I think, yeah. and you were doing like. More I think of they a told me that I like could do that, and I just was like, I don't want to. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I think I just felt like if she's doing that, like. Like what I know that I can teach that like maybe she hasn't had experience in is like all this other stuff. So I think that's why I was like, I've actually kind of been in the music business in terms of like gigging. Yeah. Like, and I haven't been, I hadn't done like, um, I hadn't, I wasn't doing a ton of original music back then, Mm -hmm. but I thought like, maybe I can give these students like 
some kind of really practical, like careerish stuff. I remember it was it was just anything music was fun for me. Yeah. So it's just I did that year, then I auditioned for a scholarship for the next year. Got it. Cool. So I was gonna have a scholarship, like all paid for and housing paid for, and then all of a sudden the band started taking off and yeah. we were making money. Yeah. And we got all these opportunities where I was like, I can't make the two of these work at sure. the same time. Yeah. So I knew I chose that you had left, but I couldn't remember if you had gone back. I don't care. No, I, just I never wondering. went back. Yeah. No, I literally um, stopped just because I was just like, I just want to start. Like, it was, you didn't need it. I mean. Like, I want to start doing what yeah. I was called to do right now. That This is just based on what I remember from that time. Like, the program was so new. Yeah. It just wasn't. And based on your goals, it just wasn't what you it wasn't what you needed. Um, I think it was more geared toward like production and that's yeah. just not what you, it's not what you needed. Yep. Um, okay. So, um, so the stuff I kind of like just kind of moving to the end of the podcast. Um, I really wanted to ask you in particular about like what music has to do with people for you. I mean, I was thinking about it. Like the podcast is called artifice. I say this like every episode, but I like the word artifice because it has art at the beginning. But also, like I've be, like we've been talking about this whole time, I'm interested in like the stories that aren't told. I'm interested in the things that like um, people wouldn't guess about, like what it is that we do. Especially someone like you, where like you you have such a beautiful presence on stage. Your voice sounds so free. Um, you've had these like successes um, where like. I think people could easily imply a narrative on your life that like isn't true. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think like the artifice of it is just like people assume making assumptions about the artist mm-hmm. and not anything that you're doing. But, you know, as, as I was thinking last night about like this question of like, what's behind the scenes? Like, what are the yeah. intentions? Like, what's the identity? I I wanted to kind of just ask you about like, I don't know, just like if you could, speak to the 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 kind of process whereby you feel like you you are doing something for people like yeah because i know that's something you care about oh my gosh yeah that's what drives me actually yeah that is like the main drive is connection and i probably wouldn't keep doing this if i wasn't making that connection just because that what that was really important for me to have that sense of like relate like people actually reacting to it and not even like to validate myself but just it's 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 more of a i feel like everyone has a unique gift that is important yeah. to give to the world yeah and in one way or another and i i had this experience after a show we had a gig where we opened for Lifehouse last summer at a ski resort. It was like really beautiful outdoor, like 4,000 people crowd, like super, um, one of those like bigger stages, like super fun. And we, we performed and it was actually like a pretty rough performance. It was our third time playing on this stage. And I had been going through some really hard things and I kind of felt numb before the show and I felt like I wasn't in the mood to perform. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Because after 
playing like hundreds of gigs. You get used to it yeah. in a lot of ways and you kind of have to recreate the, that magic for yourself. And I, at this moment, I feel like I've kind of, I had lost myself as a musician, as an artist, yeah. and I was just kind of on autopilot. Was this before you came out? This is after. Okay. This So this is last year. Okay, okay, like okay. just last year. And I just felt on autopilot, just like singing the song, like going performing, doing what I have to do. But then I was reminded um, when we were, after the performance, we were standing by, like kind of by our merch table, and that's when people line up and come talk to us. And usually people just come up and be like, let's take a picture they won't say anything they'll just get a picture thank you you're so amazing or like oh my gosh you guys are so good yeah like i'm a huge fan and they'll sign stuff and take a picture and smile and like it's just redundant for the gram but there was one couple that came up to me it was this man and woman who seemed like they were married and she came up to me in the most sincere tone and was like i need to tell you something your song, Hey Love, I heard last year at a concert. Um, she's just like, it completely, this entire year, ever since hearing that song was in it. And she started breaking down in tears, like wow. started crying and her husband was kind of like supporting her. Yeah. And like, she's just like, you have no idea how much this song has transformed my entire life in this past year having heard that song and what it means to me she just said thank you for releasing that song and how much of an impact it's made on my life and after hearing that it just reminded me of okay like there's so much more than just like this vain like validation like this vain like success or money or popularity fame or on the stage or this or that but actually seeing something impact someone who i have no idea what it was yeah but just the sincerity of that those are the things that i that keep me motivated and that keep me going because music has done that for me it's literally taken me out of like my literalist worst moments of my life when i feel like i don't have anyone I don't have any friends, people I can talk to, and it is there for me. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I want to write music that can be that for someone else. It's really interesting because, you know, when you're performing on a on a big stage for a giant, giant crowd, there's there's nothing about that that's really intimate. But be- At all, yeah. <laughs> but because of the type of person you are, and because of the type of music you want to write you still are in this business, like in this career that is like extremely intimate. Like you have these kind of like, you have these like, too much sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. You, you have these like really, really deep connections with people, even if you don't like know about them. Um, which I, I mean, I think I'm thinking about this cause I, I mean, it's probably a combination of things, but like this is only the second in-person interview that I've done since coronavirus and I usually would do like at least one a week I mean for like the last year this is this is my 62nd interview (laughs) and they're all like deep right and like long conversations which I don't I think I've really grown to like rely like it really I really like it yeah and I don't know like I interviewed this woman last week who um is a 
tattoo artist. Mm -hmm. And just hearing her talk about like, just, just hearing her talk about like, um, how the art she does is like on people's bodies and that like, um, part of her job is like helping people build their own identity and she like directly affects like how people see themselves and how other people see them. Um, and it just got me thinking about like the ways in which art and artists, like the ways in which art is really intimate and in the ways that artists like have this like human like not all artists, it depends on what you're doing, but like have yeah, this thing where like, you know, even if you're like an author, like the book that you wrote is like in someone's bed, you know, like, or like the music that you write is in someone's ear. Like it's in an earbud, like inside their ear. Like you can literally go on a phone and look at who's listening to your music in real time. Yeah. And be like, that's how many people are like literally have like me in their it. ear right now. Like they're hearing yeah. my voice right now. Like how many are weird. you? Do you, can you? How many? Do you have an answer? Do you have a number? <laughs> Looking at your thirty. Phone. Thirty people. Yeah, That's thirty crazy. people are are listening to the music right now. Um. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't think I'd be interested in this with even all singers, but I know you are a person who like you really love people. You really care about love people. Humans. It's just. It's. You, I don't even have to ask. I know it's true. Um. And so I think I just wanted to ask, like what that's like, what that's like for you or like where that kind of, how you think about that, how mm -hmm. that, how you think about that intimacy and that, I don't know, like kind of privilege that you have of like being in people's ears. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say about that? It can be dangerous. That? Yeah. Um, if I rely too much on outside validation, it can literally kind of destroy my own, sense of worth and own sense of self yeah. and own sense of um my own light and goodness if you rely too much on it and i've done that in my life where there's just a lot of days also at the same time i feel just grateful it's like this sense of gratitude will fill me up where it's like wow it, like what a blessing to be able to do what i love and be able to um spend most of my time doing that one thing yeah, and I don't know. And it's still being able to make an impact in people's lives. Like that's what people talk about. Like they dream about like, Oh, I, like they almost fight their entire lives trying to figure out their passion and their purpose and, and meaning and what they're trying to give to people. And I, I just honestly feel very blessed that I've been able to figure that out. And, um, and I can't get in those traps of comparison because there's always going to be someone that has it better than you. There's always going to yeah. be someone else that it's sings so, better. It's so subjective. Like yeah, like there's better. always going to be someone like you know um, Drake, who's number one streamed on Spotify right now. You know, like who's on the top of like the streaming game. Where I have to try really hard. I'm such a competitive person myself mm. to rely more on just who I am. Yeah. What is my authenticity? Compete with yourself. Yeah, yeah. When I go to the gym, I go to CrossFit. I rarely ever compete with anyone else because I'm just more focused on my own progress. Yeah. And I, th I feel like the best songs come out when I'm just being myself. Yeah. And just, 
I I love being on stage too because that's when it's like I look out and you one thing I love about what I do is I bring out the best version of everyone around me yeah. where when I worked at T-Mobile selling phones, I saw the worst of people yeah. and it was the absolute worst. Where being a musician, I love it because yeah. you get to see the best sides of people. Yeah. And, but also I get to share about probably, I get to sing about the worst parts of myself and it's a healing experience because yeah, what I realize totally. most people don't have the family, the space, the time to express what's inside them. Yeah. Most, I, I feel like most people don't, they keep it all in yeah. and music is that opportunity to it gives just, them a catharsis because you can tell the story that they can't tell. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe that's, that they can relate to. Oh, right. I think that's also what I meant with that intimacy. It's like, it's weird because like with the tattoo artist, it really is like, she's an inch away from their body. Like, but it, it's almost like you're doing the same kind of a thing, but totally far away. Like like you're telling a story that someone else is like feeling in their body at that moment. Um, I don't know. I've just been thinking about it maybe just because of coronavirus and because like Mm -hmm. we're all apart and thinking about the ways that art is kind of special. Um, Do you want to say anything about like your choice to do some solo stuff? Yeah, that was earlier on this year. I think the choice with that was, to allow my authenticity to come through again, where yeah. I feel like that was lost a little bit within little... the the band, yeah. where we are, I think we're going to go about things back in a way where I won't need to release, you know, my own songs because I can start doing that through foreign figures again, where I think I lost that. There were a couple of things you needed to say. That just weren't the band. It just wasn't the band. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want to force that upon them. Like, they have to, you know, be a foreign figure song. So I was just like, well, I'm not going to force that, but I can take the reins on this and I can go and create it and release it. And that's what I did. And I only released three songs and a collaboration with a rapper. They're out there, you know. Um, I've listened to If It's a Sin to Love You like a hundred times. Oh, like I, I know you. the words and like, I'll get it stuck in my head for like a whole weekend sometimes. I love that. It's really beautiful. Thank you. And that's also like, I mean, I, like, I think it's another reason why I was thinking about these, like these kind of the, the personal, like the way that these things are personal. Cause like that's, that song in particular is so like, it's so intimate. Like I, and it's just, it's like, and then when one person is listening to it by themselves, that's also really intimate. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, like, it's this totally, like, separate, like, you're yeah. not together with the people that are, like, listening it's a weird, to it. it's, it's just, a yeah. weird combination of, like, this totally personal thing and a totally impersonal thing. It's um, weird. I just have one more question. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, do you, I like to talk with people sometimes about, again, this artifice thing. Um, and I'd specifically like to ask you, how do you feel like you balance vulnerability with like, um, you know, kind of like stage presence, you know, like how do, how do you balance like being a human who's vulnerable and letting some of that come through on stage and then also being like a performer who's like polished? Still figuring that one out because yeah. sometimes it feels like two different people. Of course. Um, that's why I'm, that's why like, I'm curious about it. depends on the it. song. Yeah. It's so weird. It's like these weird... You have to just switch. It's a weird switch and emotional roller coaster. Like some songs are so heavy 
as far as like just the attitude and just like the grit and a little bit of the rock and roll vibe to it. And this like a badass comes out of me and like the, just like this part of me that's like, yes, I can. Yeah. Like, like aggressive. Yeah. Just aggressive. And like, that's, that is an authentic side of me Yeah, that comes out. But then all of a sudden we'll drop it down and, when I go and move over to the piano, it's almost like that mask. I have that masculine side of me comes out, but now like my feminine side will come out a little bit more. And I'm at a piano. That's like more of a, a softer instrument and I'm sitting down. I'm not standing up in like this power position. Yeah. And this song that I'm about to sing, um, is more emotional and exposed. And, it makes me feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. I'll be <laughs> of honest. It does. I sometimes I don't know how to do it. I like I, I'll just like start I'll just go into the song. Sometimes I'll I'll say something before and you kind of have to like get I, yourself I just into feel it. Feel when I when I do it, I I'm still getting comfortable with that side of myself. Like mm, the side I of see. myself that is allowing myself to be seen. Yeah. That doesn't have a guard or a wall or like this polish. Yeah. That's more like the imperfect, the cracking voice. This is Mm -hmm. how I've, this, Mm -hmm. this is my struggle rather than like my power. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I have like the exact opposite experience. Like I'm the most comfortable on stage in that kind of quiet, intimate stuff because I feel like I can sort of disappear in it. Um, Mm, Get lost. Yeah. And I feel like, everyone is so like when I'm doing that kind of stuff, that's really intimate. I know that people like, aren't thinking about me. Like I know that's the stuff where like, they're not even maybe watching. They're like, they're so, Mm. they're so like in their own experience that I feel like I'm almost like a little anonymous and it's, it's this like really like entertaining people is really emotionally difficult for me. Mm. I have like major, um, like not good enough, baggage like Uh, like when i'm when i'm standing mm. up and like demanding that people like watch me even if like that's what they want you know like Hmm. they're there for me to i mean like i'm not this when i'm talking i'm talking about like wedding gigs mostly when i'm talking about that like when i because i rarely combine the two like i'm doing like a wedding gig or i'm doing like a really like a piano bar kind of a thing where it's super intimate which is not even at all like what you're doing. Like people don't, in either case, people don't really like know my name. Probably they don't care. I'm just like the person who's performing. Um, But yeah, when I have to like lead the party, it pushes all of my like insecurity buttons. Mine, I, that happened to me earlier in my career way more often when I was afraid that people would see me as coming off as gay. Yeah. It was always like, don't, don't, move a certain way like yeah. you know this and that like don't yeah. be too extreme so hard like, but when i came out it was like this freedom yeah was unleashed and i'm just like i don't give a fuck yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm just gonna be weird and yeah. like do what i want and i now have gotten to a place where i'm like free it it's feels like, good yeah i can just look weird act weird like move however i want it doesn't have to be choreographed it can be spontaneous yeah. like and i have nothing to hide anymore yeah. i have nothing to prove and it's like I just get to be myself, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, so that's that's interesting. I I feel like it is a little bit 
it can feel like almost pretending like in the beginning yeah. when you're figuring it out in a way like well, oh here i go just that, like, <laughs> it's that back it's that storytelling stuff i mean i know i know exactly what it is for me it's like oh, okay. my my mom was a cheerleader my dad is a football player they're very like popular people and mm. my entire life they were like you're a nerd you're not cool you have no friends nobody's ever going to want to date you like wow. no so wonder the, people don't now like it's this you narrative playing when you're on stage like no, why I'm not w- cool. Like, why yeah. would I like demand anything? Like, exactly. I'm the nerd. Like, yeah. why would anybody like? I'm not popular. Yeah, I I'm, wasn't- a, I'm. This is. I'm a poser. Like, I don't like. How, nobody wants me to entertain them. Where it's like, so interesting. For someone, what our beliefs can like do. a little quiet nerd sitting at the piano playing makes way more sense. You know. Yeah. So I think like, but like, I know that it doesn't read that way. I mean, I know that I like. I know that I'm good at what I do. And so, you know, when people see me at a wedding, I'm positive that what they assume is that I've always been like bubbly and like they would have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I know that it's not, you know, but But it's in your head. It's what you're. I really have to like. Yeah. I really have to do that thing that you were talking about, like going to the lesson and being like so scared and then being like, here it is. Like every single time it's like, yeah, we're going to do respect now. Performance anxiety is real. And Honestly, being able to figure out those limiting beliefs and, and I don't know, like destroy them in a lot of ways. I think people would be shocked to know how frequently we haven't destroyed them. Like how (laughs) frequently, people would be shocked to know how often you are Uh on stage in front of people. Like how often I am on stage singing and dancing like Beyonce songs and then just going like, I'm not cool. I'm not cool enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm How not. crazy would it be if like, <laughs> like our no thoughts were projected onto a screen <laughs> and everyone like could read them? The exact be like, opposite. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, who is this chick? Like, get your rack together, girl. Love yourself. <laughs> Dang mean, I it. I think it would just be so confusing. People would yeah. be like, how are you doing that? And thinking that, which I also think be is confused. worth telling. Yeah. Or like if Beyonce was doing that same thing, she's like killing it on stage. Yeah. She's like ugly, fat, gross, <laughs> not good enough. Like you're like, what the- what's happening? But I was like, like, I'm what? sure. What a destructive sh- thing. I'm sure that happens like. Oh yeah. Mo- more often than it's not yeah. happening. Oh yeah. Oh We're man. pretty hard on ourselves. Yeah. Well, and other people are hard on us. You know, other people are hard on us, which is. When other people are hard on you, it's really hard not to be hard on yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, I always ask everybody at the very end, on this day, what's your dream collaboration? Who would you love to work with? Mm. And, or you could say like a bunch of people. You could put together like a dream concert or a, a music video team even. Or I was it could actually, be anything you want. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I really would love to do a song with ex-ambassadors like i love artists a lot yeah other singers i would love to do a song with another singer that i really connect with like that's the biggest thing for me is more about do i like that person's voice and i would love to sing in the same song with them and like have their name and our our name be like collaboration Like Bishop Briggs, obviously, um, ex ambassadors. I mean, Coldplay would be a dream. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's like shooting for the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's a dream collaboration. So, oh, yeah. That's, shoot away. Yeah. Chris Martin. <laughs> I think that that would be 
if I was in the same room as Chris Martin, I would never want to leave. Yeah. I'd be like, can you hug me now? <laughs> I'd be like, can we like, uh, be friends? And I probably, you know, I probably would, uh, definitely tame it down and not creep him out and whatnot, but I would, but you'd be glad he couldn't see your thoughts projected. So glad. I'd be like, you're so hot. Like, oh my gosh. Um, but I would love, love to be in the same room as him. And even just like, that would be so cool if it's like, yeah, we get to write a song together. Like, let's make it happen. Um, I know we would both write something amazing. Yeah. Like I have confidence in myself that yeah. I know I could write a great song with him and yeah, it would do that's well. Awesome. That's great. But um, that is life and you can dream, but you don't. Yeah. L- yeah. You don't need to be obsessed with it. Much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a dream. It's just a dream. Um, uh, and then finally, tell everybody where to find you. Uh, the band and your original stuff. So follow us. I mean, literally a one-stop way to everything is our website. It's just www.foreignfigures.com. That takes you to our YouTube channel. takes you to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Spotify, like all the things, our merch, um, newsletter. You can contact us from there and you can follow us from everything. So that's like, Follow the band from the website foreignfigures.com. And then for myself, my I'm mainly on Instagram. Okay. Like that's my main thing. And you you're under like EJ Michaels, right? Yes, EJ Michaels. The username is at who is EJM. EJM are my initials for okay. Eric John Michaels. So that's why I go by EJ, Eric John. So who is EJM? Okay, cool. At who is EJM? Follow me. In case anybody just tries to Google you, Michaels does not have an A. It does not have an A. And it's not Michelle's. (laughs) Gosh dang it. It's EJ Michaels, M I C H E L S. Yeah, no A. (laughs) Eric, thank you so much. It was so nice to talk to you. This was fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.